0: Please remain standing, take your Bible together with me and turn it to Isaiah 59, Isaiah 59 verse 14 to 21, Isaiah 59 beginning from verse 14 to uh, 21. I will read it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a pray The Lord saw it, and it displeased him, that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man, and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a pressed plate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and rubbed himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so will he repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment, so they shall fear the name Of the Lord from the west, and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream, which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouths of your offspring or out of the mouths of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Amen. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, as we now come to the preaching and the exposition of your word, we ask you, Lord, to sanctify us by the truths of your word because your holy and infallible and life-giving and inerrant word is the truth. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Last week, uh, those of you who were here for worship in the evening, we saw that Israel has been conquered by the Assyrians. And they were asking to Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, If we have been conquered and been taken to captivity, is it because God is too weak to deliver us, to save us? Is it because God doesn't hear our cry for help? Of course, Isaiah gave them the answer. That they really wanted to hear, that they needed to hear at the time. Because they were wrong. Their assumption, their understanding, their conclusion was wrong. They were in captivity, not because God's arm was too short or too weak to deliver them. Or God was not able to hear their their cry for help. You remember what Isaiah told them in verse 1. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or His ear dull that it cannot hear. You see, Isaiah was telling them, These are not the reasons why you are in captivity. It's not because God is too weak to deliver or God doesn't hear the cry of His people. But you are in captivity under the hands of the Assyrians because of your sin. Isaiah told them in verse 2, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden His face from you, so that He does not hear. You see, beloved, when we are punished because of our sin, God is not to be blamed. When we are disciplined, disciplined because of our sin, the blame goes to us, we take the blame, not God. It is not because God, God's arm is too weak to deliver, to save, or it is not because God doesn't want to hear the cry of our hearts. And in tonight's section, verse 14 to 21, we see the summary of God's condemnation to the people of Israel and then how he responded to bring solution to his people, to bring remedy to his people. I want us to consider tonight three things from our text. The first one is the the collapse of morality in Israel. You see that in uh, verse 14 and 15. And then God's displeasure upon the sins of His people in verse 15 and 16. And then the wages of sin must be paid. You see the the truth that the wages of sin must be paid, verse 17 to 21. So first we see in our text the collapse of morality in Israel. Listen to Isaiah, how he describes the the decline of Israel's morality. Justice is turned turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. You see what was taking place in the life of the Israelites. First, justice was not received by those who were seeking justice. Justice is put on the back of the burner. Not to be considered. It was ignored. There was no justice in the land. There were judges in Israel. But they were abusing the people, even in the courts, in the temple, for their personal gain. God was watching. Isaiah was seeing that. People being abused. People being mistreated. That's not how God gave His law to His people. Why did God... uh, Gave His law to the people of Israel. Listen to the Word of God in Micah 6, eight. Oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? You see, if you are a humble man, a humble woman... Under the mighty hand of God, under your Creator, you will not abuse other people. You will not um, misuse the properties and possessions of other people because you fear the Lord. Because you know that you are called by God to be conformed to His law. In Jeremiah 22.3, Thus says the Lord: Do justice and righteousness and deliver the one who has been robbed, robbed, robbed from the power of the oppressor. You see, God was telling His people, "As my own people, as my own you know, chosen people, this is I want what I want you to do, to be kind, to be gentle. To care for the poor, not to abuse them, not to exploit them, not in Israel. You see, God was not seeing those things in the life of His people. That's why you see He's condemning them. That's why He's angry upon His people. The judges were corrupted. They were abusing His people. In verse 14, Justice is turned back. Righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares and uprightness cannot enter. First, truth was stumbled in the life of the people. Nothing was sound in Israel. All was depraved. The people were immersed in evil and they think It was good. Imagine you being immersed in what is evil and what is good and you like it. And you enjoy it. That's where their spiritual condition was. It was like the time when Israel worshipped the golden calf. And you remember... They were rejoicing. They were uh, doing something that was uh, abomination in the eyes of God. But they were rejoicing. They liked it. It's like today, you see. People call evil good. People call wicked Something good, something exciting. Today, you know, Isaiah said, uh, truth has stumbled in the public squares. That's exactly what is taking place in this land today. People will tell you things like, um, I have my own truth and you have your own truth. So let's tolerate one another. They will never tolerate your truths. They just say that for the sake of saying that. But they don't tolerate your truths. But they say, you have your truths, I have my truths, let's uh, let's respect one another. Everything is truths except saying that there is one truth. Then when you say there is only one truth... Remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. These people who tells you, you have your truth, I have my truth. They don't like that statement. It's a biblical statement. It is true. There is only one way. There is only one truth. There is only one life. But they want to have multiple of truths. Multiples of uh, ways They tell you, you know, our goal is to arrive to God. Yes, there are multiple ways to God. And you say, no, no, there's only one way to the Father. There's only one way to God. That's your truth. That's not my truth. And I say that in the morning, and I'm going to repeat it. Today, where we are today, is, you know, and then they say, if you don't respect my truth, I will take you out. I will be violent and take you out. I'm not going to allow you even to exist in a place where I live. That's where we are today. You remember Jesus in John eight thirty one and 32. He told those who believed in him, received his message and believed in him, put their faith and trust in him. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Which truths? The truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one else than Jesus. But here you see the truth was stumbled in public places. In public places, people were making fun of God's truths. And then secondly, God's displeasure. In uh, uh, verse 15, the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. What a crisis. What a decline. These are people who claim to be holy people, who claim to be God's possession. Israel, God's people, God's nation. But God was displeased with their life with how they were worshipping Him, with how they were treating other people. God was displeased that there was no justice. God was saying to these people, how can you uh, claim to be My people, claim to be holy, obedient, when there is no justice? What you are saying about yourself and what you are doing doesn't match doesn't commend one another everything you say and then what you do contradicts with one another not even one you know god was not talking about you know social justice you know the kind of social justice that people talk about today that's not what Uh, Isaiah was talking about here. But holy love of God's law that God wants to see in the life of His people. Remember in Mark 12, verse 30 and 31, Jesus um, was answering the question from from the, the scribe. The scribe asking Him, What is the greatest commandment? And Jesus told him first, love your God. Love the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and strength first. And then love your never as yourself. If you love your never as yourself, no need to talk about social justice. You love your never. There will not be abuse. There will not be discrimination. If you love God and you love your never as yourself, no need to talk about this Social justice that we hear about today, it will not exist. In Psalm 19, 7 to 11, Psalm 19, 7 to 11, listen to the psalmist. The law of the Lord is perfect. This is what God gave to his people, perfect law, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. And to be desired are they than gold, even much Fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. This is what God uh, wanted to see in the life of his people, that, but that's not how they were living his life. So God decided to do to do something about his people. And this is where you see the change. In verse uh, 16, he saw that there was no man. He wondered that there was no one to intercede. Now listen to this. Then his own arms, his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He had to step in and bring salvation and redemption to his people by his own arm, by his own strength. He he upholded Israel, Israel before him. Israel was unwilling to hear, to repent, and to seek God's salvation. Israel was unwilling to abide by the righteousness of God. So God steps in and does it for Israel. Does that sound familiar to you as a Christian? Remember what Paul tells us in Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, beginning from verse um, 14. What shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? By no means. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it depends not on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh... For this purpose I have raised you up that I might show my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. So then He has mercy on whom he on whom ever He wills and He hardens whomever He wills. You see how God saves people. God doesn't save people because of um, their human efforts and righteousness, but through his uh, grace and mercy and the mighty work of the Holy Spirit in the hearts of those people. John one twelve but to all who receive him who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. You see, God was appalled at the state of Israel, but He didn't leave them in their status—that sad, sad, and wicked condition. He, he did what they couldn't do; them, uh, they couldn't do for themselves. God did it for them. Now, thirdly, I want us to consider they are related. But the truths about, you know, the wages of sin must be paid. In verse 17, he put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And then notice verse uh, 19 and 20. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west. And his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream. Which the wind of the Lord drives. Now listen to this. And a redeemer will come to Zion. To those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. A redeemer will come. Now there is a, a false teaching. That you always hear around you. Let me tell you what it is. People say since God is merciful, since He saves a, a remnant for Himself, and salvation is not earned anyway, because it is totally the work and the gift of God, the wages of sin does not have to be paid. You know, first it sounds biblical, it even sounds reformed. (laughs) And then you come to the statement. Because of all these reasons, then the wages of sin does not have to be paid. God will save the remnant anyway. Now, I want you all to know, That that is a lie. You will not find that in the scripture. The wages of sin, the wage of sin is death. You see, God is just. And the Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall die. So what do we do? If God is just and the soul that sins must die, then what do we do? Where is our hope? Redeemer. The Redeemer died on our behalf. The Redeemer took God's punishment upon Himself. The punishment that you and I deserve, it He took it. That's why He's called a Redeemer from Zion. From God's holy place, He came from above, from heaven. He took human flesh and became our Redeemer. He paid the ransom for our sin, for our guilt. He took our place on the cross. He replaced us. He was our substitute. Redeemer. Yes, the the wage of sin is death and jesus died that death for you my friends it was paid the false teaching that i told you it will destroy people's life because there will not be redeemer for them yes god is merciful yes there is grace Yes, God's grace, God's salvation is free, but it is not cheap grace. It took the Son of God to the cross and he died the death of criminals. And that shows you God's love and mercy to you and I through Jesus. The Redeemer, the Son of God. You see, Isaiah said, And a Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who turn from transgression, who repent, who are sorrowful about their sin, who are in tears because of their sin, who are saying, Oh, the wage of my sin is death. Who would resc- rescue me from this death? Redeemer. Redeemer. Christ, Jesus will rescue from God's eternal punishment and wrath. Now, Isaiah finishes chapter 59 with this wonderful remark. And I, I, I want all of you to take this with you tonight and share it with others. You know, we always come to the cross and we say, praise God, Jesus died for me. My Redeemer paid the ransom for me. Then what? Then how do we live the Christian life? What provision do we have in Christ Jesus? Listen to the provision. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, with my people, whom I redeemed through the Redeemer. Says the Lord, my spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. What a covenant. But I want you to understand what God is promising here. First, the Holy Spirit. My covenant with my people whom I redeemed. My spirit is in you. My spirit is with you. And my spirit will not depart from you. Why? Because when we walk in sin, when we disobey God, when we do what we are, we're not supposed to do as Christians, when we make a decision that is sinful, that will, not bring, that will not bring glory to God, the Holy Spirit deals with us. How? When we read the Word of God. You see, we have the Holy Spirit, we have the Word of God to guide us in this life, to correct us, to guide us, to convict us. The problem is, when we disregard the voice of the Spirit through the Word of God, then we are in big trouble. And that's where God's discipline comes to us. But God's covenant, you see, He gave us His Spirit, He gave us His Word, and the promise is, they will not depart out of your mouth, my word, Not only from your life, but even the life of your children. You see, man, this is, that's why you see family worship is so crucial for you. To sit with your children, read the scripture, pray with them. And you know what they are doing? You are reminding them that the word is in their mouth. And the word will not depart from them. The spirit is guiding them. But if that that doesn't exist in your home if if that doesn't exist in the life of your children then this covenant will not be effective in their life the spirit and the word you see God's love it's not only the cross yes the cross is our you know our glory Everything is finished, paid, full. But then comes God's provision for us to live the Christian life. For God's glory. Spirit and the Word of God are with us. In Psalm 119... One of five, the psalmist says, "Your word is a lamb to my feet and a light to my path. This word will not depart from you. It will not depart from your children. some of you some of you are still young, still single, you don't have children, <laughs> but when you are married and you Bring children, you know, you have this promise, this spirit and this word will not depart from you, your children, and your children's children. Your word is a lamb to my feet and a light to my path. Let's apply this, what we heard tonight, in two ways. First, God saved us through a Redeemer. And He saved us through a Redeemer by doing what we couldn't do for ourselves. Which is saving ourselves. We cannot do it. God did it for us through the Redeemer. And then secondly, the question to all of you is how are you benefiting from the Spirit and the Word? in a christian life it might sound simple easy common but how how often do you read your bible how often do you do family worship private worship prayer meditation how often do you make yourself available for the work of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God in your life. These two provisions, and they will never depart from you. Use them in a Christian life because God has given them to you and for the good of your soul. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, Thank you for the Redeemer, our Lord Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us to redeem us, to save us, to reconcile us with you, the Holy God. Thank you for the gift of your Word, the gift of your Spirit. The Spirit and the Word both will never depart from us. But Lord, help us to use them in our Christian life with a great sense of diligence. Help us to make ourselves available to them by your grace so that they would work in our life, the Spirit and the Word, and conform us To the likeness of your Son, Jesus Christ, even as we heard this morning, they would turn all of us to faithful witnesses to the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.